Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Color Grade listeners. I'm your host, KB, and welcome to the Color Grade podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade podcast is an always unfiltered, always enlightening, and uniquely opinionated podcast about television and film that goes in-depth with guests that give a Black, POC, or queer perspective. Join me as I discuss highly anticipated movies and shows with fellow critics and friends of the podcast, interview some of your favorite artists about their recent or upcoming projects, and leave you with my recommended must-see watch list. Stay tuned. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Color Grade Podcast. I am your host, KB, and we have another grand episode ahead this week where we are going to dive into uh, chatting about a much talked about film this this award and festival season. So for this episode, I have some of my favorite film critics joining the podcast for the very first time. So I am going to start by introducing Katia Woods, who is the brilliant brain behind the illustrious Cup of Soul show that focuses on doing everything for the culture and highlighting all things Black and Latinx. So please welcome Katia to the Color Grade podcast. Yay! I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. Yes, of course, of course. And I didn't just bring Katya, I brought someone else along. Uh, he is one of the most dynamic writers out with bylines in the New York Times, the playlist, Vulture, and literally every other publication that you can think of. So please welcome the 812 Film Reviews legend, Robert Daniels. Thanks for joining the Color Grade Podcast, Robert. Thanks for having me. Honestly, it's kind of weird... This is the first time I've seen you guys since Sundance, and now we're talking about a Sundance film. It is so bizarre. Well, thank you guys again for joining. Today we are talking about the the highly talked about film, Wander Darkly. It premiered at Sundance, uh, but just for those who are listening, Wander Darkly is directed by Tara Millay. Um, it stars Sienna Miller and Diego Luna as new parents, Adriana Mateo, who are forced to kind of reckon with trauma amidst their troubled relationship. They must revisit the memories of their past and unravel haunting truths in order to face their uncertain future. So overall, guys, how did you feel about this film? And I'll start with Katya. You know, what are your thoughts on Wander Darkly? I like that it's not predictable. You know, with movies like that, I hate when all of a sudden you sit there and you go, oh, I figured it out. I did not do this with this film. And I just really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that they're getting into the nooks and crannies of their relationship. You know, being a parent myself, sometimes people stay together or feel they have to be adjusted at the hip because they have a child together. 
Um, I'm always like a child can bring out all the good things about the both of you in a relationship or they can show really expose all of the flaws. And the other thing is, I say this to my husband all the time. I said, I'm glad we waited before we had our child because we got a chance to get to know each other as a married couple versus it kind of like being like boom, 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 because it does change the dynamics of your relationship tremendously. But again, I love, but I love the most about this was that at the end, I'm like shocked in a nice way, not like, oh, you know what I mean? So I like that it kind of kept you guessing. Yeah, I will say I did not anticipate the ending of this film. I actually went in a completely different direction. Like I knew there was going to be some sort of large twist in the film. Uh, but I will say, yes, I did not know that we would finally get to, you know, that type of ending. You know, I will say for me, this film was almost 100% messy. Like in terms of, you know, like them not getting along. And I think, you know, Diego and Sienna pulled it off beautifully. You know, them desiring different things out of life compromising in ways that they never should have, uh, but ultimately decided to because they wanted to, to stay partnered with this individual and how those choices and really compromising on, on things that they truly in their spirit did not want to compromise on really backfired for them in, in a lot of ways and really settled them into this, this groove of raising a child, but truly being really unhappy with their partnership. Um, and, and so I really liked seeing that because, you know, a lot of times we don't get to see that on screen. It's just so much that happens in this film and I really did enjoy it. So Robert, overall, how did you feel about Wander Darkly? Um, I really liked Wander Darkly. I reviewed it out of Sundance for the playlist. Um, and usually I don't go for, you know, melodramatic <laughs> romance films. And this is kind of the most melodramatic that you can get. It's almost like YA and how like melodramatic it is, but you know, I loved Diego Luna, Luna in it. I loved Sienna Miller in it. I thought it was haunting. I thought it was unpredictable, as you guys said. I The film doesn't always logically make sense, but it always emotionally makes sense. Um, and I remember watch, I remember being at the premiere, and I was very incredulous about it. And by the end, I was bawling my eyes out. I was in tears, a puddle of tears by the end. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad that you said it doesn't always logically make sense because that's what I wanted to ask next. I think you're right in the sense that I feel like it brings up a lot of issues in anyone, not just someone who's in a relationship, but just in general, because there are just a lot of issues in this film that they cover. Um, But it true, logically, it doesn't make sense until you get to the end and you realize that like this is not a film that is necessarily happening in real life, in real time. There are some, you know, kind of other elements happening. And then you're kind of like, oh, okay, I, I understand why, you know, this happened. I understand why that happened. So you can kind of put it into into that perspective. So for you guys, um, and I will start with you, Robert, just tell me, you know, what didn't work for you? And, you know, were there any plot holes that were glaring that you were like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just the very sense of us weaving in and out of memories and the, the way that it's so tricky to do nonlinear narratives, especially when the nonlinear doesn't feel like it connects at all, <laughs> but it's just random kind of a spattering of random events. And that's what happens in Wander Darkly. You know, you have these moments where you think there's a demon or a ghost after Sienna Miller's character. Uh, you have these moments, you know, like the scenes on the interstate with when she sees 
the homeless and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know if that scene particularly worked for me, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, just, if you, I'm pretty sure if you try to chart out the memories and you try to rebuild their lives would get two vastly different stories. And granted, that is probably the purpose of it, right? You know, you have two people in a relationship. They both see that relationship from a different perspective. They both interpret events from a different angle. And so that leads to somewhat two different stories. But trying to conflate the two and weave the two in together, you know, it's it's so hard for it not to unravel. And I guess the point, it is supposed to unravel just as, you know, both of their lives are unraveling. But in practice, it can be confusing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There were often times where I was like, is she dead? Did this really happen? Is this a memory? Like, there was just no timeline, I guess is the best way to put it. And for me, that makes it, I think it can make the audience feel like it's very challenging to follow. And so, you know, it it really does take until the end of the film for you to really appreciate it. So Katya, for you, do you feel like it lives up to the to the hype? Because there is a lot of hype surrounding it. You know, people do want to keep it in conversation for this award season. Um, How did it make you feel? And also, you know, Diego Luna really is the the only POC in this film or the only the most prominent POC in this particular film. So, you know, um, as a POC and, and Latinx critic yourself, how does Diego's performance kind of work? I mean, Diego's or, or performance, he gets to be Mexican. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There are certain things like they're super Mexican in this that she is cognizant of, like Diaz de las Muertes, right? How that is done. That's super Latin. Like we have a temple, candles, that is us. Do you know what I mean? Oh, the only thing like, but the movie explains it. I was like, where is his family? But it explains it because again, I'm like, there's no way that he has a child and the relatives ain't involved in some aspect of that, right? But, um, but the movie goes into why he's the way he is because of the, some of the things that he has experienced. You know, I, I, I wish it would have tackled a little bit of their cultural differences because her mother didn't quite understand his point of view and she didn't do a good enough job of explaining to her, like, hey, you have to understand, we're coming from this culturally differently. I do agree with you. This is a movie that requires you to be patient because it does jump around like that. It's not a sequential order. Do you know what I mean? Like one minute you're like, okay, is this happening? Did they did they really do this? But like you said, is in the end, I feel like the moments we saw are the moments that contributed to their problems, but also to them connecting. But, you know, um, I always tell people, you have to be patient with certain movies. And I know it's hard because we're in a microwave society and we want our situation in 2.2 seconds. And we're looking like it's 40 minutes and I don't know where this is going. And I don't know if I'm going to continue. Like at Sundance or, you know, we're sitting in an audience. So it's not like you can fast forward. You know what I mean? It's not like you can go like, hurry up. I'm tired of this. Right. But at home, as we all are, I'm asking myself, like, I hope that people trust the process. Yeah, that's going to be very difficult, I feel like, for the audience going in. But if they just keep hanging in there, there is a reward. It definitely pays off. Um, something else that you mentioned, Katya, which is a really good point. We understand, you know, kind of why his character is the way he is in terms of his family. But for me, it makes Sienna's parents just seem racist. Like, and there are a lot of scenes where I'm like... Oh, these white people are just racist. Like that's, that's kind of the way it comes off. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's probably not intentional in the way that they created the film, but that is the way it comes off because they are riding him so hard and there's like not even an ounce of grace. Uh, they don't understand him, so they don't like him. And it just feels like wholly racist. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. Can't just um, say so- that? I can't just say before Robert gives his piece. It's very, um, like my husband and I have this agreement, right? When it comes to stuff like that, when it's us, we can go all out. We can, we can discuss things and we can be super afraid. When it's our families, we don't, we have to be a team, right? So if my mother says something inappropriate about Kevin, his mother says something inappropriate about me, we shut that down because you have to be a unit. Right. And I was always waiting for her to, I'm like, it took forever for her to say something to her mom and be like, like you're out of pocket. I'm like, why it took are the you whole letting film, her, do you know what I mean? I'm like, are you in a relationship with him or are you trying to be in a relationship with your mom? Can't be. Yeah. Up. It took, it took the whole time before Adrian really said something to her parents. And even when she said something, I will be honest. I didn't know if it was a dream or not. Like I truly was like, is, okay, did she really say something to her parents or is this a part of this dream sequence? Did she wish in this moment she would have, you know, defended Mateo and stood up for him? So even then I still wasn't sure because I was just like, oh, um, so it's interesting that even in this kind of dream state, I still felt like, oh, her parents are racist. Like even in that, I just, I don't know. I was like, there's not a very good job of kind of, um, shadowing that at all but okay um so what did you guys really want to see more of in this film and i'll start with you robert is there anything that you had really hoped for i mean i know you said by the end you were bawling and at the end i was bawling too like at the end it just was a catharsis that happens at the the end of a film but tell me you know was there anything that you desired more of when watching it um i know i i think the daughter their daughter ended up being not as developed as, as she could have um now, granted, you know, the film obviously is, is very much about their relationship and how their relationship is disintegrating. But I wish we'd kind of gotten more play from the daughter. But I mean, mostly I think all the characters come out well in this, even the racist mom. Um, <laughs> and it was great seeing Sienna Miller not playing, you know, the steady housewife. It was great seeing her show her range, you know, because um, for a while I just... People talk about Sienna Miller, and I wouldn't get the point. I wouldn't get it. I'd be like, she's done nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. And it was great actually seeing her talents on display and seeing her, you know, go into, um, I guess, an emotional area that she, I don't think had, she has not gone into in her career. Yeah, I'm delighted that she took this role because, you know, the more and more that I think about this film, um, I can't actually see another actress in that role. And that's very hard. But, um, you know, like normally sometimes I'm thinking about films and I'm like, oh, I could see, you know, a different actor or an actress in that. But for this particular film, I think she did a fantastic job. And I, I can't see anyone else really being able to take this on. And I also think that the partnership um, off screen between Sienna and, and Diego in terms of, you know, like their their working relationship really shines through on screen because they're just a lot 
of um, just subtle subtleties and nuances and, and push and pull that happens on screen that works really well for both of them and their performances truly are extraordinary. So I think if we are talking about awards conversations, for sure, I think the performances really hold up to that. Um, but my my last question really for Katia is in terms of the writing, how do you feel about the writing overall? Because again, to Robert's point, and I think we've all said it, it's a very ambitious film. So how did you feel, Katia? I like this film better than another other film where a couple is going through something. I mean, I have so many issues with that other film. <laughs> Katya, you can say the other film because we, we know, know what you're talking about. <laughs> Pieces of a Woman, I just, I just really, I want to just wring both of their necks. Do you know what I mean? Because it is something that hits very close to home for me. And I'm just like, and I understand that um, everybody goes through certain situations differently. But I'm like, when a couple, it, to me, I feel like with her, she went through a whole range of emotions. You mean, um, you mean Adrian in uh, Wander Darkly versus in Pieces like, of a Woman? I oh, okay. were with her for 40 minutes, right? And then she was like in the trance. Exactly what we just talked about where you're like, are you ever going to stand up for him? Are you ever going to say this happened to us, not just to me? Do you know what I mean? Whereas even though in, 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 in this film, it took a minute, but she did come around. She did say that, you know, it started to click for her where he was at. And I think also there's a really good part for Diego Luna because he normally is the guy that's emotional and that he's got to be the heavy. And this, he gets to be kind of like, for lack of a better word, straight and that isn't sexuality, but you know what I mean? He's kind of like plus playing forward. And he doesn't have to do the heavy lifting as far as emotional. And I, also the movie wouldn't work if he wouldn't be steady in his situation. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell that she thought about, you know, the little things that 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 make a relationship uh, tick. I even like the fact that she made the mom the way she does. Because, again, not all of our relatives are great people. And we don't like yes. all of our mother-in-law's. Our mamas, all of that, like, it's a good type of messy. So I do hope that in terms of, since we're going to, you know, we're in the hype season right now, and everybody's calling everything a masterpiece. <laughs> you Robert. know what I mean? I feel like this movie is a better developed film. Even though, you know, it has some of its issues, but we're getting points of views, we're getting everything, and in that way, this is a good screenplay, and the ambition works. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, that that little shout out was mostly for Robert thinking something is a masterpiece that I do not this award season. I do not think. <laughs> I do didn't not say masterpiece. I'm just shady. I, I did not say masterpiece for Lovers Rock. But, <laughs> oh, but, but you know what I'm saying, Robert? We done had 30 masterpieces. That cannot be 30 masterpieces in one movie year. It's yes. just not happening. Like every time something drops, this is the greatest thing ever. Sir, I'm going to need you to get out of the house and see some people. You know what? That's okay. I'm going to let people have their opinions, even in the most basic films. You know, someone can find the gem and, and a masterpiece. So I just want to ask, and I will start with Robert. You know, is this film, in your opinion, is it color grade approved? You know, is it a good story that centers, you know, on, on Diego Luna as the kind of most prominent POC in a meaningful way? Or is it just color grade recommended? Because it cannot be approved, but you can still be like, I still want people to see it. So Robert, is it color grade approved? 
Um, I'm kind of <laughs> it's a terrible answer, but in the middle between approve and recommend it because I agree with Katya that like I I don't think they explored the dynamics between um the the racial dynamics between Diego Luna's character and um Sienna Miller's mom's character. You know, Sienna Miller's mom's character. Um, and however, I do like the touches with you know the Day of the Dead celebration and stuff like that. Right, so it's it's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Um, I. I'm going to lean toward approve. Um, <laughs> I think just because honestly, when I saw this at Sundance, it was one of the best viewing experiences I had with an audience. I wish people could see what an audience. I remember watching it and you could just feel the sniffles building throughout, you know, everyone crying and stuff like that. And at some point it was just all you just, no matter what side you look to you, people were crying and, I so just on the just on the basis of that, I'd say color grade approved. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katya, how about you? Is it color grade approved or is it just recommended? Tell me your thoughts. Um, I would say approved because you did have small pieces, and most importantly, he got to play a complete character. He wasn't like the token lax next person, you know. They didn't make him use some cheesy accent he just got to be a person you know what i mean because sometimes they throw stuff in there and you go that's not why would you do that you know what i mean so i would say color grade approved yeah for me you know his culture you know his heritage i wanted to see more we understand why we don't i still think they should have made a choice maybe in the writing to incorporate it just a little bit more family-wise, but I will say that because, you know, Mateo and, and Diego Luna's portrayal of Mateo is a fully fleshed out, you know, Latinx character, I will say that it's color grade approved. And for me, it's definitely recommended um, just because I really, you know, we've said this time and time again, but I want people to stick with it because when you get to the end, there is a release that happens that is so beautiful and it just makes the film really worth it and really worthwhile. And I really, really want people to, to stick around for for even just that piece. And I know, you know, generally speaking, you know, we don't want to say just wait till the end, but truly it is the ending that is one of the most beautiful, you know, parts of the film and its totality. So, oh my goodness, just thank you guys so much for coming on the show to chat about Wander Darkly. I'll start with Katia. Please just plug all of your stuff. Tell everyone what you're up to next and where they can find you on social media. You can find most of my reviews at cupofsoulshow.com. Um, I have a piece from BuzzFeed, a personal essay that I wrote about my relationship more or less with my daughter that's still floating out there, you know, raising an Afro-Latina that, that I'm really proud of. And I think it's the toughest thing I've written ever. You know, um, the screams you probably heard somewhere around the world were me going, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, it's in, um, also you can see me on the AFCA roundtables. Make sure you, you do that. Uh, and then also all my interviews and junkets on the Cup of Soul show, um, junk, uh, excuse me, YouTube channel there's a lot of fun stuff out there and i've gotten really super blessed to talk to some really good people this year during very trying times yes and so robert you know robert is the busiest man that i know so um please tell everyone <laughs> where they can find you and plug all of the many things that you're doing yeah um you can follow me at on Twitter at 812 Film Reviews. Um, I have a review dropping of the final film in 
Steve McQueen's anthology series, um, film series, Small Acts. Uh, this film is called Education. It's a great film, not a masterpiece, not a masterpiece, <laughs> but it is a great film and it is a masterful work by Steve McQueen. That review is going to be on the playlist. Um, on Polygon, I have a review of News of the World coming, the new Tom Hanks film. Um, um, for New York Times, I have the new Netflix doc, Diverse Voices. And, um, for Consequence of Sound, I'm doing the Bee Gees HBO documentary. Oh, oh, wait a minute. And you forgot to say, what is the other news you had this week? You had some pretty cool news. Oh, I guess, yeah, I, I am now a Rotten Tomatoes top critic. Yes. Critic on Pride Rock. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Come on, Robert. Well, again, thank you, thank you, thank you um, for joining us. And please, everyone, do not forget to subscribe to the Color Grade podcast on available on all podcast platforms now, just so you don't miss any new episodes. And follow us on social media. You can follow me, your host, at the Lady KB, um, on Twitter and Instagram at T H E L A D Y K A Y B, and also follow us on the color grade podcast at color grade pod on Instagram and Twitter. And now for our next segment, let KB put you on. So first up, the TV show that I am recommending is the new Netflix series, Dash and Lily. Whoo. Guys, I love YA book adaptations. I love it. So Dash and Lily was high on my radar uh, because it is an American romantic comedy that comes from the mind of David Leventhal and Rachel Cohen. It is a book, a young adult book series. And not only is it a YA love story, but it is set at Christmas, which everyone knows is my favorite holiday and my favorite time of year. I love holiday content. So basically you get Dash and you get Lily who don't know each other. They've never met, but Lily decides to take a leap of faith um, by putting in some puzzles all around different books within this very famous bookstore in New York City, The Strand. And she puts all of these different puzzles and Dash happens to pick up on these puzzles and they start sort of this like crazy pen pal relationship just using a journal. And so essentially they start dating really based upon their correspondence in this journal. And Lily being like me, loves all things about Christmas. Dash hates everything about Christmas. Um, they are the perfect opposites attract story. I'm not going to spoil anything because you definitely need to watch all eight episodes on Netflix, but things come to a head. And can they sustain once they meet in real life? What happens in love? Oh gosh, I love it so much. So that is going to be my TV pick of the week. Please, please watch. And then of course, tweet me so that we can chat about it because I love talking about all things Dash and Lily. And my film pick of the week is going to go to Charm City Kings. So Charm City Kings, um, the Sundance darling and hit uh, of this year of 2020. Um, it is now streaming on HBO Max. Whew. It is such a special coming of age film. I really feel like we do not get a lot of, you know, dynamic black coming of age films. And so it's so wonderful to see this film. Um, you know, it is about this kid named Mouse 
and he has a lot of influences in his life. Um, and he was most heavily influenced by his brother, who is now deceased. And so, um, you know, he lives with his mom, who is a single mother, just really fighting to to keep the lights on for her and her family and his little sister. And Mouse just really wants to be accepted. Uh, you know, he has these two dynamic friendships um, and these friends really serve as his brothers, especially now that his brother is gone. And so what he's looking for in the world is really a brotherly figure. And he finds a lot of that in Blacks, who is portrayed by Meek Mill. And so, you know, it's just about second chances. So, um, you know, my pick for this week, my film pick is definitely going to be Charm City Kings. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Color Grade Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and you can find me on social media at the Lady KB, at the Lady K-A-Y-B on Instagram and Twitter. Also, please follow the Color Grade Podcast on all social media platforms at Color Grade Pod. The Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound with lead producer and editing by Randy Chapman. <laughs>